Nerds International proudly presents... Did you hear about that thing with Bethesda? No. What? So they released a um, a tabletop supplement for D&D 5e set hey? in the world of Skyrim. And oh, then no. it turned out to be entirely plagiarised from something. I, th- I forget what it's called. It's called um, The Black Road. It was an old D&D module. And these guys, um, it was this guy writer called Paige Leapman and Ben Heisler. They immediately noticed that it was plagiarised and went to Twitter and were like, by the way, this is exactly the same. And they, they copy and pasted parts of both documents and they were exactly the fucking no. same. Like, literally, it wasn't, it's like the worst form of plagiarism. Stop like, it, Bethesda, what are they doing? I know, and one of them was like, one of them was like, they even had like the same name as the person in no. the original <laughs> document. And it was like, it was like some really weird fantasy name, like, Kortadala. And it was like, yeah, you're not going to, like, by accident make up that it same name. It was a coincidence. <laughs> is that their first foray into, um... RPGs. Yeah, it is. Oh, and they, they fucked Get it. out of it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> what so funny, are they man? doing? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Foolish. They since pulled it from their website, but you can still find it. So if you want to play a plagiarised adventure, dear listener, do it. I laugh if it's literally, I laugh if it's like you buy it and it gets delivered and you're like, why is there a sticker over the, the, the Bethesda sign stickerized? Then you peel it back and it's got D&D written under it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole thing is just like bits crossed out. and then <laughs> stuck. Yeah, rewritten. All right. Let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. I'm Harrison Hunt and with me is Nick Lamley. Hello. This is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. Oh my god, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while. A lot, lot's been going on. Mm-hmm. Because we, we just ran a, uh, a convention. So, oh yeah. A very small convention, but a good one nonetheless. And uh, yeah, basically we were supposed to record an episode that weekend, but we were too busy being drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah we were. And then obviously we uh, started off Dirt Boys, I believe, after that, did we not? I think it was episode two. Oh, two, yeah. sorry, yeah. So then we had that, and then, yeah, so... So, shit, sorry, listen. Schedule got mixed up because of the con, but... But you know what What was... Um, what was The con was really good, right? It's a Savage Worlds convention, the UK's only Savage Worlds yeah. convention. And um, the smell of guff oh. by the end of it, because everyone was eating shit food, drinking oh. beer. All, all in this... Sort of, well, the first day, everyone just got, like, heated up in this little room. Now, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't that cold. It wasn't that warm this time, but I think just an enclosed space that's not very well uh, ventilated. It, it, Every five seconds, I heard somebody going, fart, fart. And, and James, um, who we'll get to in a second, he he was standing just by the door. You know, the, there was like uh, the back door. Yeah, just like let a fire him exit. <laughs> Yeah, because he, he, he was like, no, look, it's, I'm going to have a lot of gas to let out. I'm just going to stand by the door. And he just stood there. And I saw, he, he was supposed to be playing the game. And every time he needed to roll the dice, he walked back to the table, roll, roll it, and then go, go back, back to the door and, and fart off. out. Imagine if he was the poor person walking down the street and all you saw was like a door opening. <laughs> 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 oh man well we did you know that con it does strange things do happen last year we had an old guy wandering and he was like is this the hospital do you remember <laughs> yeah. it's not that big so mate <laughs> <laughs> oh. what happened this year well 
It was the fart. It was fart gate. It was fart gate, wasn't it? Yeah. And Notre Dame burnt down. I don't think we're responsible for <laughs> no, that. But I'm not. <laughs> it did happen at the same time, so you know. <laughs> Is it a coincidence? <laughs> You've. Uh, so how do you feel about having the new royal prince being named after yourself? Oh, it's good, man. Good it's honor. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did ask them. You know, we said well, we sent that little letter in, didn't we? <laughs> and now he's called. That, what is it? His name is um, Archie Harrison. Archie Harrison. Yeah, good times. He's a double double barreled man. So he's got Archie Harrison and then he Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his name's Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah. That's the new prince, everybody. Um, but anyway, anyway. <laughs> speaking of James, James yeah. is uh, he's he's taking leave of these main episodes from now on. But he is still going to be in a Dirt Boy Blues, and so he's still going to appear in our logo because. Uh, he is obviously a mainstay in the uh, actual place, and he's really awesome. So, oh, um, yeah. But other than that, we, you're back to me and Nick now. Oh, so gutted. The old guard. So, um, yeah, today, segments. we got feedback side. we got what you slay in. we got main subject, which this time is going to be running a great sandbox game. And then we got what that, dragon or blagging, followed by your electro letters. Oh, baby. Should we do some feedback? Let's do it. Let's feed that back. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah. So we got a lot of feedback, and uh, this guy, Justin Roman, he knows he knows his stuff. He, he knows, knows he knows what's up, doesn't he? He says, you guys are the funniest podcast I've ever heard. Yes. We might be the only podcast he's ever heard, so we win by the Yeah, it might be like 10, but... Yeah. And um, Dirt Boy Blues, our new actual play. People are liking it. People yes. are out there giving the, giving the praise. Mm-hmm. Somebody, uh, Deeth9000, says, This is truly sublime. Makes me want to run some cyberpunk ASAP. Superfuse9000. So the whole 9000 family have yeah, come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, they're all there. He says, Oh my God, I love you guys. You're the best and play the best. Much love. Nice. Thanks, Superfuse. And ironically, this guy on Reddit called Nonredditor3 <laughs> says, Entertaining as always, although I still don't get the Gary Busey thing. Neither do we, mate. Neither do we, mate. No. <laughs> you know, when he enters into a game, it's a very spiritual experience. Yeah, we don't we don't write it; it writes itself. Exactly. I just channeled Busey through the medium of games. So thank you, Gary. And then we got one from James Bonnert. He says, "Still killing it, guys, with the Cyber Sprawl episode one." So he wasn't a fan of episode two. <laughs> Any chance you're bound for Gen Con this year? Um, you know that probably not. No, uh, no. I've only heard bad things about Gen Con, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like always, a you know, people getting no, pu- chucked out for fighting, <laughs> like way too many dip games of D and D and not anything else. I don't know. This is what I've always heard. Very far but, away. I mean, why, why, why go to Gen Con when you got Savage Con? Exactly. It's way better. It's way bigger. It's, it's way, way bigger. bigger than Gen we had at least fifteen people out of this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then we recently, if listeners you don't know this, um, we Nick and I wrote an adventure called Whacked in the Wicket. Oh, the yes. layout was done by the famous Mornay, mm-hmm. Mornay Sharp, and uh, yeah, it, we and Sid Andrews picked that up, and he says I have to thank Nick and Harrison for Whacked in the Wicket adventure. I'll be adapting it and running it in my Savage Worlds Eberron campaign in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So this is the adventure is a real world adventure where you play as posh knobs forced to do an art heist by a gangster. <laughs> yeah, and he's putting it in his uh, fantasy game. Why so the hell not? Versatile, Jimmy, if nothing else. <laughs> exactly. So Jimmy the Shoe, um, who's the main villain of the of the thing, is uh, now a halfling crime boss, and there is a Lamaru fine arts gallery in the city of Shan. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, that's wicked. A little halfling crime. And boss. I think we've had a play report come for actually, but that was only like yesterday. So obviously that'd be in the, maybe we'll read that out in the next one. See how we got on. Sounds good. Yes. Um, Thanks, Sid. 
Yeah, and uh, for those that don't know, we recently re- released a uh, an hour of fantasy gaming music for um, uh, your RPGs. Your ambiance. Exactly. And that is on our YouTube channel, so yes. go and check that out. Um, and the best comment on all of that was somebody said, I was half expecting this to just be a podcast episode. So he knows. Surprise. Yeah, there you we, go. we can't be trusted because <laughs> we always label things what they aren't. Well, yeah, we've had a couple of complaints like that. This is not family games. <laughs> like, what? No, no, oh. it was somebody complained about the family games episode and said you were supposed to be talking about family games and you said the F word loads of times. Oh, that was it. Yeah, we're like, mm, well, and, yeah. well, you didn't listen to it because no, it clearly. was not about family. We've games. never spoken about family games because we have no family. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. They abandoned us ever since we cat, started playing RPGs. Cat games, different story. Um, and obviously, we've released the Lamentations of the Flame Princess campaign diary, which is cracking, I must say. Um, being a listener of that and um, not being involved in it it's uh, very 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 entertaining thank you very much for that we've really been enjoying that mate yeah well um, Ian Schlom said he doesn't usually listen to campaign diaries but the the sound effects music and delivery have let me really appreciate this thanks for the work you put in so cheers mate yeah definitely it's very good Um, that's basically an extended advert for all the stuff on our channel basically but fuck it go and listen to it you might like it we got APs we got campaign diaries which is nice to have nice comments now back in the old days we'd we'd, we'd be scratching for feedback or normally it was like fuck off yeah, you know what I, I actually miss it because but that was why we started doing feedback side in the because first place because of the negative stuff it was on the street fire episode where oh, yeah. the guest that we had on really dropped the ball and didn't do any research didn't do any research yeah and then reddit just uh, just went crazy god they were mental didn't they they hated us yeah they did yeah but that's enough for feedback let's go on to what we've been slaying oh yeah and if one of these yeah? What you slaying? Okay, so obviously we've mentioned SavageCon already. Uh, great convention. Come next year. Please come next year. It was, um, we are looking, next year we're looking to um, have a different venue so we can host both days at the same place. Yeah, because the pub was a bit shit this year. Yeah, so we're going to try and do that. And ideally, if we could do it in a hotel, um, I, you know, kind of like Conor McCobb kind of style, where you, people can stay in the hotel and game at the same place. Brilliant. So watch this space with next year's one, but we're looking to uh, get a bit bigger. Yeah, and um, as you mentioned, the Lamentations campaign that's ongoing at the moment, we're not going to be really mentioning this on the podcast in an effort to keep the What You Slaying down. segment <laughs> down, because it always <laughs> comprises of half the fucking episode. Yeah. So now we're just going to use this segment to talk about stuff we've bought and extracurricular games. There you go, perfect. So, as I mentioned to you in real life, Nick, I've yes. been saying Operation Freak Show. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, so this is a Savage World setting. I think it was actually pre-deluxe, and essentially you play super-powered soldiers. Yeah. And I can't remember what war it's supposed to be in, but we played it during the Vietnam War. Okay. And we were American soldiers, and we all had these different powers. GIs. Yeah, it was so good. Um, this was run by Uncle Jay, one of our listeners. Well, the cool thing is is that, obviously, it uses the superpowers companion, and you're really, really high-powered, like oh, incredibly right. high-powered. So we had a guy that could turn into a giant, a bloke that could turn into a pile of mud, and then we had like uh, this guy called the Vermin Lord who, who oh, um, sent rats you don't and bugs out. Party, do you? <laughs> and he was like, it, it, he would send like these bug scouts out and attack people with big balls of flies and shit. He, he was really cool. He sounds fun. And I played a guy called the Blue Lunatic. He was originally going to be called the Incredible Sulk. Oh, and he yes. was, his power was going to be that he cried and flooded things. But I, I, I changed it to he's basically Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear. So. He had all these psychic powers. He could, um, you know, float using uh, telepathy, so he could lift himself up. Um, no, telekinesis, sorry. <laughs> and then he could also read people's thoughts or inject fear into their minds. Ooh. So all the horrible stuff he saw in Vietnam, he'd be like, 
have a bit of that. Have a bit of that. And then, all the, and then people just be like, <laughs> but the, the telekinesis is so high powered that, that you can do things like there was there was like three enemies in a row, and I tear a tree out of the, out of the floor and smash it oh, down mate, onto them using like... my brain. You said you ever seen the film Jacob's Ladder? No, I haven't. Check it out. <laughs> is it like that? It's about a uh, well, I don't want to give the. T- it's a great horror film from the old days, but it's um, it's fantastic, and it's about uh, it's, it's it's about Vietnam and post traumatic and all things going horrible, and it's. Kind I probably should have watched horror. that, mate. If that, yeah, honestly, that film that would have been great for uh, this character. But, it yeah. was wicked, and yeah, like the, for example, we come across a minefield. Eric would scout it out with the vermin lord. He'd, like send. <laughs> oh, was that Eric's character? Yeah. Vermin lord. Oh, yeah, man. and he he send he send his bugs out. We'd see the mines, and then I'd pick them up telepathically and like throw them. 100 miles I I'd, just, I'd hate to think of the enemies you were fighting these guys sound incredible well at, at the time I only played the first two sessions sadly but at the time we were fighting Vietnam soldiers and we just tore them to shreds I bet. And the very last um, uh, sort of episode that I was in we, we got to the end and we saw these like weird bug people that also had powers in the Vietnam uh, woods and uh. it was like it got really weird and trippy and it was so cool and I was gutted because I missed the next couple of sessions but I, I just wanted to say check out Operation Freak Show it sounds pretty Amazing, yeah. Oh, it's well good, man. I'm Ooh. totally going to run it at some point. Please do. Next, is, it, is it a published? It's a published. Thing yeah, yet? I think it's old and hard to get we'll hold of, but it. you could probably find a PDF. Excellent. You know, on uh, drive through or something. It sounds cracking. Um, we also played some Fifty Fathoms. Oh. This is with our Sunday morning game group. But the funny thing about this is like a pirate setting for Savage Worlds, right? And um, I've played Fifty Fathoms twice. I've run it once, and I basically run rifts, but yeah. started at Fifty Fathoms. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, the, this time we we basically were sailing along on our boat. Then suddenly we touched this gem, and we're in a futuristic world where all the water's gone. So, so it's like basically, I think the story behind Fifty Fathoms is that it's flooded by the water in our world that that's got right. taken out. So we got we went to our world. And it was all flooded. I think. I think that's what I played. It was very hard to follow. It was nuts. It was, was it Gary? It was Gary. There you go. Yeah, 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 understandable. And um, it ended with us in a fucking UFO, right, fighting robots and aliens. Of course, and shit. it was like it was completely <laughs> mental. And Gary, Gary was really tired when he was running the oh, last session, no. and yeah. none of us could follow what was going on. But I, I was cracking up the whole time because okay, you're you're in a UFO now, and uh... we just found it in the <laughs> desert, and then. Fucking, um, there was a bit where there was these women that wanted to be saved, but they were amongst all of this like mutated, radiated shit in, yeah. the, in the wasteland. And so we were like, we don't want to take them back. Look at they're the mutated. State of them. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get ill. And Gary was like, um, he kept on saying, the women say, oh, you're not going to take us. We're dying over here. Yeah, we're going to die. We're going to die. And like, Eric just went, look, just tell me, do you want me to take the women? Fine. Just, I'll, 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 take the, I'll take the grotty women if I absolutely have to. Yeah, and so we ended up taking them back. And then um, it was it was just mental. But yeah, if you play 50 Fathoms be aw- with Gary, be don't, aware that you don't. It's not 50 Fathoms. It's not 50 Fathoms. <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of made my guy as a pirate. You know, he was the singing sword. He he was an opera singer turned um, assassin who, nice. who was like the one of the bodyguards for the ship. Yeah, and um, yeah, I took the edge. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like rope monkey. I think it's called. Yeah, where yeah. You, you're good at swinging around on the deck of awesome. ships. Yeah, didn't come up once. Because oh, well, well, I tried to use it once while swinging off a tree, but it was a palm tree. So obviously, and then he was on a spaceship, so he was fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah it was. It, but it was absolutely great fun. And so, is that the one that had the goat? Yeah, I had a goat called Expando Buttholio because that I didn't name it. But because I, of course. Yeah, I saw it on the map and get on on. We played on um, virtual tabletop, and obviously you can label things on there. And it was called Expando Buttholio. Oh no! One of the funniest things was that I took Eric's mini. His his character was called Arnold, and um, 
I took his mini and I relabeled it to Mong Man. And Gary, in the last session, kept forgetting what his real name was. And he's like, he was narrating what happens. And he goes, he goes, right. So Harrison, you come in, you stab the robot, and then Mong Man comes around the side. <laughs> Mong Man's there. Yeah. I mate, Gary spent so much time on virtual tabletop. Yeah, he's he like does. a maestro now, isn't he? Yeah, his maps are amazing. Yeah, um, actually, check that out because he's got a show, the Murder Hobo Show, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he he gives uh, tutorials yep. on uh, virtual tabletop and shows off his cool maps, and it, they're genuinely cool. What's that weird? Video? Where do you remember we went through that phase of putting weird videos on YouTube? Don't the one with an egg. Oh yeah, there was one. Yeah, well, that's a good treat if you subscribe to him. There's one where he's sitting in his van and he eats an egg, like a boiled egg whole, and then puts sensual music over yeah. it. Weird channel. We love you, Gary. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, that is it for what I've been saying. You done any extracurricular stuff? No, I've just been revising. It's been incredibly boring recently. Oh uh, yeah, because you've been at work doing and exams and stuff. Boring stuff. So yeah, not really. No. No. Sorry. Good. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now with that, let's get on to the main subject. Running a great sandbox game. Fuck yeah. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. Subject. We're playing Lamentations of the Flame Princess at the moment, um, which is a sandbox-style campaign where the players can do anything they want. A what? (laughs) Oh, a what, you say? A a, a what? (laughs) For for this this episode, Nick will be playing uh, a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Who has no idea of anything. (laughs) No, so um, obviously recently I've been running that, which is a sandbox game. In the past I've run GURPS, which was a um, a galaxy-wide sandbox game. Absolutely, yeah. Then uh, you've just run Gen Lab Alpha. That was which, sandboxy. Yeah, exactly. Um, our zombie game was kind of sandboxy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We could do anything we wanted in that. In mm-hmm. fact, we did just dick around for a lot of that for game. For a lot of it, yeah. Fallout as well. Hugely sandboxy game that we played, run yeah, by Sean. Totally. So we've played and and run a couple between yeah. us. And uh, we, we think that we can come up with some tips for you know a great sandbox game. So while there is absolutely nothing wrong with a decent, linear, curated type game... The Sandbox is a really, really great way to immerse players into a world or a region in an RPG, and it can be a really good way to add layers of verisimilitude into games. Ooh. I learned a new word, Nick. Do you know what? I saw that yesterday and was like... The, 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 the. <laughs> I can't even say it. Basically means suspension of disbelief, like feeling like you're there, immersion. You know immersion, I mean? so vermicillitude, very but, nice. As Nick very rightly pointed out, for those that aren't aware, what is a sandbox? The RPG sandbox is a style of game where very few limitations are placed on the players. They're given an area, usually a region, and they can do whatever they want and play in whatever way they choose, allowing the characters to roam and change an imaginary world at will. In contrast to a more linear type of play, sandboxes emphasise exploration of a world and allows the players to choose their own goals. But I've heard from a great many GMs that they find this idea daunting or they think it will be too much work. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to give our tips on how to run a great sandbox RPG style campaign. And I've also collated some tips from other sources. And this will be a good guide for anyone wishing to run a more free open world game. Yeah, and we'll show you that it's not that scary at all. No, it's, it can actually be a lot more easy easier and yeah, freeing absolutely. than running any other type of game. Yeah. So, uh, step one, you've got to start with planning. Oh, yeah. That's what you've got to do. There is planning involved. Sorry, there is some work. All right. So, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, with this, while a sandbox game is open and relies he- heavily on player input and flexibility, there must be some degree of planning. So, mm. the players don't just show up and start to play. The characters first need somewhere to adventure, obviously. 
So in the case <laughs> yeah, just of just in this big white room, uh, what's going on? And then you go, oh yeah, I see a pub. Then it appears in the room. Bing! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the case of like a gangster or cyberpunk game, uh, it, the, the region that you play in can be a city or a county or a state, something like that. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we played Wise Guys and that was set in uh, in, in Vegas, right? Absolutely, and, and yeah. It, but, but it was like a sandbox type game. Yeah. In a fantasy game, it's usually a region a with region. vast unexplored areas. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much same goes for like a post-apocalyptic or sci-fi. Really. Yeah, 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 all works. Because a lot of what these games are about is like uh, discovery, exploring. Yeah, you just and- need a central point in which it can start. Yeah, I mean, because like in the Lamentations game, um, I've given you information about key areas. Yes. But you guys, um, your main adventuring hub is the city of Dolmve, and that's where you guys, you know, you you uh, you know venture out of, do shit, and that's come right. back to town, yeah. and that's where you guys live. We've got uh, like a home base... Uh, essentially, that, we, that that everything kind of revolves around. But yeah, for, the, the main bit is that that's us in the middle, and then everything else is unexplored as as of yet. Yeah, typically that's what it's like. Mm-hmm. And um, really, the game's region is whatever you think you can handle. But creating or picking the right one can be difficult. Yeah. And the reason I say it can be whatever you can handle is because even if it's a small town mm-hmm. and you'd never venture outside of it. There are going to be loads of places that you don't know about, loads of buildings and things like this, and as the story can evolve. The first ever game I run wasn't necessarily a sandbox, but it was very open in the way that you guys were able to solve anything. And that was just set in one city, and it was a relatively small one yeah. too. So basically, I was going to sort of mention a couple of pre-packaged ones as well, because you don't have to make your own world from scratch. You can pick one, like an existing one. Exactly, yeah. So if you like, if you like the idea and the model, but... <clears throat> Again, don't want to put all the work into creating one or, or just want to try it out straight away. Then there's some pre, pre-done stuff that are sandbox. Well, GenLab's a good example. Absolutely. That's a sandbox, um, yep. and it's actually relatively small in comparison to most game ones. Absolutely, but it's yeah. quite dense and, and packed full of shit. And mm-hmm. uh, In addition, there's if you're looking at some sort of fantasy thing, the ones that I can think of off my head are things like uh, the Purple Planet, mm-hmm. um, the Shudder Mountains is one for DCC as well. Yeah. Um, that's a really good sandbox thing. And if you get the box set, you get the hex map, you get the um, primer on the world, Ooh, all of decent. this stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's what really about good. Uh, modern? Isn't um, uh, East Texas University sandboxy? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, because you, 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 you're you um, the central hub in that is the school, right? Exactly. And you have to go back, live a normal school life while investigating horrors. Which can be like in this. the school or outside. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wise Guys is another good one. Up and coming Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, just, just funded, mm. just ended. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a modern gangster one that's sandboxy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is perfect. And basically anything like that, if you're picking one, just try to find one that is an open thing. I mean, even with the uh, the purple planet for DCC, the map that it comes with for the players to fill in, it just it's basically a blank sheet of paper with a city in the middle, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and the rest is, is up to you. Yeah. Amazing. And um, yeah, so typically with that, you'll have like, uh, you know, a hex map or a square map, whatever you want. And the players, as they explore, they fill in the map. Absolutely. They're responsible for filling in and doing it because, it, it again, it adds a layer of immersion. But And I massively, massively recommend the Chessex reversible battle maps. <laughs> yes. So this episode is sponsored by Chessex. Chessex. Yeah, yeah. No, it isn't. No, it's not. It would be nice they, if it was. They, yeah, please. Honestly, please Ch- Chessex, get in touch. We love you and but, your maps. Let's talk about some worlds that we've run. So, yeah. GenLab Alpha. Um, mm-hmm. With that, it was specifically the world in general. How did you find having to learn about somebody else's creation and then running it? It was. Uh, it's good. You, you do have to read. Um, you do have to read and read over. And what I found was what I personally did, which was quite um, quite good, because with with GenLab, because it's like as you said before, quite a, an enclosed space. 
um, well, quite literally enclose your, your, your prisoners within this kind of large kind of environment. Um, you do need to understand the politics of the of each tribe purely mm-hmm. because they are fundamental in the whole game. Yep. Um, depending on who you are, what animal race you are, and where you're travelling to, uh, you know, the social politics and stuff have a huge have a huge impact on that. And that's so. What I did personally was I got a cheat sheet. So I got a piece of paper and I wrote down all the tribes and I wrote their kind of general consensus towards outsiders, who they hate, who they like, and who they or who they might currently be at war with. That's a great idea because cheat sheets are really really handy for this type of thing, yep. especially if you're learning somebody else's mm-hmm. setting because yeah, you'll fill in the blanks a lot of time but uh-huh. there are things that are important to the way that setting's going to run yeah right? totally um you know a good example of that is one i've just been reading called barrow maze and um it's a really cool thing and i won't spoil it too much because I, I am gonna i might use it you're in a wheelbarrow yeah it's, it's a wheelbarrow <laughs> maze um no the thing thing about that one was when you get when as soon as you open the book mm. it, it, one of the first things it tells you is some of the key towns in uh this place called eric i think the yeah. region is called and then in that you have people's religions and right. how each religion you know uh, acts with the other that's so it yeah. each each town has like the key individuals in there mm-hmm. you've got to have that social structure yeah and i think it can be can be important because the world has to feel alive they mm-hmm. have to have a lot of shit to interact with yeah but um yeah i did the same thing in um in GURPS. Yeah. you know i had um every planet yeah obviously i didn't have every planet completely mapped out but i had you know the space station um, there was a stock market, and I had the prices for each region. That's right. At the yeah. Start oh, yeah. Because that was hugely different, depending on where, which planet we went to. It was another thing. It was the um, the commodities and the trade and the markets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like certain places, fuel would be exceptionally high, and other places it'd be cheaper, depending on what the type of planet was. Yeah. And, and that was really good as well. Yeah. This was like hard sci-fi, and the way I basically went about making the world was um, essentially just making something uh, very fantastical, hard sci-fi. And something relatively believable. Yeah. Um. That was basically it, and populating it with interesting things. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to be things that are adventure hooks or things that the PCs are gonna uh, interact with massively. But you have to have some groundwork. There. Oh, definitely. I mean, we had a planet that was called Jurassic Duck, and I don't think there was much on there that was of any note. Oh, it was a failed theme park. Exactly. That blown up, but and the it fact was that whole... it was called that. Yeah. <laughs> we had to go to it. There's yeah. no two questions about it. it was, um, we're going to Jurassic Duck. Yeah, that was that was one of the things. Is that yeah, it was a comedy <laughs> campaign essentially. But we we well, it was Gonzo. I I put it. No, I wouldn't say comedy. It, it, it was equal measures of comedy and bleak, and yeah. dark and and black humor. It was fantastic. Totally. But yeah, all you need to really do is populate your world with interesting shit. That's yes. that's basically it, and make it. Different. Try try to feel realistic and make every place unique in some way. Yes. If, for example, I mean, really, really easy example is if if you're in a fantasy campaign mm-hmm. and there is a um, city in the desert. Think about what type of food they eat. Think about who the head honcho at that what place is. What type of clothes they're going to wear? Because yeah. they're in the desert all the time. So the chances are they're going to be in like you know long kind of capy style protective clothes. They might yeah, wear the... goggles, whatever you know. Yeah, and that that's just it. Because then uh, when the players go there and interact with it, it has to feel in a big sandbox campaign. It has to feel like all that shit was already there. Absolutely. And 90% of the time, you're going to be coming up with stuff on the fly on the based fly. on what you know, but you have to make it believable. Yeah, of course you do. And what your characters interact with as well. But yeah, that's basically it for sort of creating a world map. And a lot of those points we'll get back onto later. But yeah. one of the things that I find is really, really, really key when coming up with a good sandbox world or you know playing in one or running one, mm. randomness is really, really important. In a sandbox, it's imp- impossible, as we mentioned, to prepare for everything the players are going to do. 
you know, you can't make six cities worth of shit. But you all can with make their a general own, outline. Yeah, all with their own things going on that. To remember all that and kind of contain all that information in your head is impossible. It would be impossible. So don't try it because it's uh, there's an easier way. So on the one hand, you know, like sandboxes can be really uh, difficult for GMs who don't ha- or have trouble thinking on their feet. Yeah. But this is where, like, as I mentioned, random things are the absolute king. So, for example, a lot of sandbox th- like pre-made things will contain random encounters yep. within them, tables, all sorts. Yeah. But but like basically nick some from the internet and add them into your game yeah. for everything. Yeah. Like, just in case, because I guarantee you, there's going to be a time where you get stuck and the players go, "What is this guy's name?" And you go, "Uh, John." <laughs> and one of the last guy called John is like John Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so the thing is, if you have a big list of random names, and when the PCs meet one, roll randomly on it and then cross it That's off. Such a good idea so that's exactly what i did in my zombie game back in the day it was like you know it's too hard to think of names on the spot so put a bunch of names in a in, in, in on a piece of paper in front of you every time they meet someone new like you said he's that's the guy's name scratch him off of that one and then put him on another piece of paper so you remember yeah in in preparation for my lamentations campaign i, I basically nicked a bunch of uh, different um, random tables from all over the place everywhere all, yeah and i got um so i've got d100 mostly um, wilderness random events so, nice yeah yeah that that's essentially something i nicked off the website i'll credit it in the um in the description um, I got D20 interesting local details. That's from Lion and Dragon RPG. Nice. And it's a medieval one, so that's pretty handy. Yeah. Um, and then it's, from the same game, I got D12 local economies, settlement rulers. And that was basically it. But the other uh, resource that I use a lot is Vornheim, which is a really good setting book for Lamentations. And in that, it's got so many good oh, random tables. <laughs> one for first names and last names. And a general demeanour of that person. Yeah. Um, so the, these are people that you might meet in a city and it's got random pub names as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. And that was pretty funny because the one we got was horrible. Do you remember oh when I rolled on God. it? And I was like, oh. you head down to Lowtown and you see a pub called The Frigid Cousin. And everyone went, what? <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> it's like the only place that's still open. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, it's a horribly named pub because the inside and even that name gave me a little Something hint. to work with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Straight away you've kind of got an idea in your head. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was rounding on, uh, rolling randomly on a um, uh, like a table of names, and I came up with Zome Crundleshire, <laughs> which was one of them. Yeah, um, which is a crazy name, but uh, I and you've got like the mannerisms of the person as well. So there was a bit where they went to a um, a shop, yeah, uh, like a weapon shop, and I just had the I rolled on this table, and it was the, the the bloke in the shop. He has a canary which he keeps in a cage, and he talks to it. Nice, and that's it. And it's just a nice little interesting detail that's added in there that and you work off that didn't you yeah you couldn't have come up with it you work no. off of it yeah. and you know like a lot of times you know things that you see in real life you think that's so weird yeah. why is yeah, that yeah. there you know yeah. uh, or, or, or that guy's got a weird name or that bloke was had some weird mannerisms and things like this yeah. will help it seem weird without you just forcing it in there exactly but the thing is as well like you've got to make random events seem natural mm-hmm. and I was going to like mention a point like um, for example now, the world that we have in our Lamentations game is at war, right? Yes. So if, for example, you went up to like a an area in the land and I rolled on the table and it was like, oh, you got uh, attacked by a band of orcs. And it's like, hang on, but orcs don't, aren't, don't roam around anywhere near here. They're yeah. next. There's nowhere nearby. Well, what you do then is you either say, I know, that's weird, isn't it? And you give it a reason for them being there. Yeah, yeah. Are they looking for something? Yeah. Are they doing something? Are that's they looking strange. for someone? Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. 
But um, in addition to that, you could just change it. Instead of orcs, they're Something soldiers else. from the enemy army. Yeah, mercenaries, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that just makes it so much more believable. The encounter works. You just got to literally edit it slightly on the fly, which is easy. You, you know, you roll you roll on the table. Uh, you get your random event. You look at it. All right, it doesn't quite work. What can I quickly snip and change just to make it work for this one? Or just re-roll. Or just roll again. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, so it's no mad way, rush, is there? Yeah. Yeah, and um, a lot of these things are really easy to use anyway. Like mm-hmm. I've got all of this shit printed on like a sheet for each specific thing so i just rolled a d100 look at the list boom you need a name you need whatever you need an event and a lot of these things will make your world feel alive because the players will be roaming through and then they'll see things and think well there must be a reason for this being here you Mm -hmm. know as long as you narrate it well yeah 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 but speaking of random events there's a little upcoming product (laughs) shameless plug shameless plugs here nick and i have been working on a little document Oh, we're very proud of this. Yeah. What's the document? <laughs> the, our, little, our, little, our little document is our first little attempt at uh, writing something together under our, under our own banner. Yeah. Uh, and this is um, 78 Hamlet Happenings. And in 78 Hamlet Happenings, why 78? Nobody has a D78. Why the hell is there 78? Well, I'll tell you why there's 78. Reason being is that not only is this a toolbox, essentially, it's a one with a cool little kind of nuance to it and that is that there are it, it, it works in conjunction with a tarot deck yeah so you essentially the way it works is that in in this it's 78 different random events that can happen in your town probably the main town to make mm-hmm. it feel more alive yeah and you pull a card and based on the meaning of that actual tarot card there's an event that happens that's it and they're pretty cool so all of the 22 major arcana <laughs> fuck the 22 major arcana relate to the most major, major events. Major events. Big, the, big, big situations. Yeah, there's one where a um, mind-bending alien takes over the town. That's one of the crazy yeah. ones. There's yeah. one where the town drunk falls into a well. well and poisons the water supply. Because <laughs> he's really diseased. Yeah. 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 And now, every, now there's a new plague in town. Yeah. Goat uh, men take over. Yeah. All sorts. For the minor ones, though, these are smaller events that, that are not massively game-breaking, but they can kind of change the course of things Mm -hmm. and the funny thing is is that at the beginning of each game I've got people to draw from this deck and then something happens and I always say after they've drawn it your fate is sealed your fate is sealed and um, yeah so one of them was that the town's supply of uh, their most popular drink in this case it was wine has run out and then I linked it into the whole adventure yeah so you see it works I thought that was part of like I remember something when we was writing but I honestly thought that it was all part of the actual adventure that kind of co-co uh, uh, co-thingied with that one do you know yeah what I mean? so it was just actually a um, happy a coincidence yeah it worked I, really well I had Death Frost Doom which is a thing all about cold and zombies at the top of a mountain and things like this um, loads of soldiers in the town were coming back injured and they were all frostbitten and mutilated yep. and shit like this and then what happens is is that I pulled well no somebody pulled that card at the mm-hmm. table and I looked at it and went okay great and I said um, and the adventure hook was the town's wine supply has run out mm-hmm. and when you guys go to investigate the field all the crops are cold and there's like um, you know dead soldiers littering the streets and you pick up the soil and it's icy to the oh, touch icy to the touch and you go yeah. oh mate it must be something to do with that mountain they mentioned mate earlier. it was pretty well I wrote the fucking thing of you and it didn't, yeah, <laughs> and you didn't pick up on it so <laughs> so there you go and, and, and that but was, it was Perfect, and it was honestly, it honestly, as uh, as a player, it, it 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 did honestly feel like there was some. It was part of the adventure. We was like, all right, so you know, frozen mountain, frozen zombie, frozen grapes. 
it's all it's all it's all one of the same. Yeah, and there was also another one about a new tax that had just come into yes, play. Yes, yes. And the, that was another event pulled from that. And the reason that 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 um sort of existed in the world, the reason I gave it is because they're at war. Yeah. And he's trying to get more money. Needs more war money. Effort. Yeah. And that's an example of how to fit a random event into your campaign. You can yep. link it to the adventure they're about yep. to do, or mm-hmm. to the adventure a bit maybe, and make it make sense in your world. And yeah, so look out for 78 Hamlet happenings. Um, hopefully that will um, be out very soon. Yeah, and be fingers something crossed. You guys can hopefully enjoy, enjoy it. It's, yeah, I, I mean our, our aim is it's literally going to be a tool, uh, you know, a small toolbox that will make the GM's life easier and make his or her world more vibrant more exciting totally 100% and I think we've done a good job I, I hope so, so anyway. let us know yeah let us do let us know but um, yeah we're, we're, we're really um, happy with it we'll probably post an announcement on our channel when it of comes course. out yep but um, that's basically it, I think, for actually starting the game. Getting it it's going. actually yeah. relatively simple. Get yeah. a world and read about it, or or quickly make up some key locations in a world and uh, make a map. Then just make sure you have plenty of random tables, mm-hmm. and you're good to go. And when you say make a map, we're not, you know, we're not expecting you to, like we said before, to, you know, a vast, detailed map. Just it could be a blank piece of paper with one town in the middle. Yeah, it actually can be, and especially in the case if you're playing DCC, because you're supposed to play characters that have never ventured far from their home. So there you go. There you go. Works. And it's easy to start. So don't, because I mean, you know, if there's me being one of them, you know, not great with, with drawing and stuff, you know, I get a bit um, put off by drawing detailed maps because I'm crap at it. Don't worry too much. You know, you don't need all this kind of detail and, and that. You can just, like you said, something basic just so you can kind of centre your world and give give yourself this kind of mental picture in your head of where everything is in relation to where this one town starts. Well, and in typical uh, and typically as well, um, the world is uh, drawn by the players as they explore. Yeah. So don't even worry about it. There you go. Just Let them do a it. Throw some pens. Yeah. <laughs> and away you go. But once you've got all that ready, the next step obviously is running the game. And we've got quite a few big tips here, but one of my uh, most important ones is don't prepare for every eventuality. And that comes into the last thing we said. And, of course, the importance of improv. In a sandbox, it would be impossible to know what's going to happen all the time. Many GMs can accurately predict what the players might do, but how well they succeed or fuck it up can vary so wildly. Um, So my advice, never ever prepare too much. This may seem counterintuitive, but but let me explain, dear listener. When the characters interact with the world you either picked or built, they're very likely to do stuff you'll never see coming. So preparing one adventure hook that the players may never take is a bad idea. By all means, prepare the hook and the adventures, but preparing every nook and cranny of a city or um, over-preparing one adventure and not in another area is a terrible idea. Mm. Um, Thinking that these PCs will stay there and meet all these interesting NPCs you've cooked up or explore all the amazing establishments you've made is just unrealistic. It's not going to work, you know? And it's fine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, my world is so great. Don't you just want to stand around and admire it? No. <laughs> no, we want to do our own shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know. Yeah. And instead, just have a general idea, an overview for each main area, and then rely on your random tables or your imagination to populate the area. That's yeah, all mate. I've done, you know. Yeah, mate. This, this city that, w- that you main one you guys are adventuring in, I don't have a map for. No. Because it gets built as you play. Well, it's a living, breathing, evolving thing. So if you was to actually constrain it to a, a size just by drawing it out, then, you know, it, I don't know, you've kind of constrained it then. Yeah, once you put all of the locations in the city on the map, yep. that's all the players are going to do. Because it, prime example in our uh, Lamentations game was like, okay, so where's the vineyard? And he was like, ah, well, you know that the vineyard is just of the west of the city just outside and we're like okay brilliant yeah and then there was also a bit um last week where the characters were looking for somewhere to get their um 
magic goods identified. Yep. And I just said, well, um, give me an intelligence roll. Mm-hmm. Somebody rolls intelligence and then they were like, okay, I remember it's uh, on the uh, on the northeast side of town and it's called the Seclusium, although it's <laughs> technically not secluded because it's in a city. It's where all the wizards go and they it's a massive library exactly. as well as a wizard training ground. And that was just something that I came up with on the fly Pretty and good. it fits in the city Perfect. And because the king has an archmage and shit like this so by all means Makes he would sense. train people but that's not to say it's the only shop in that whole town that you can take a magic item to yeah and it's just the one that you know of exactly and if, if you don't if you fail on your intelligence well you can go asking around and things like this yep and then it just it just comes up mm-hmm. you know if the PCs say, you know, they want to find the crummiest, dirtiest pub in the area, then come up with one on the fly. You know, yeah. that's what we did with the Frigid Cousin. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the worst. And it was just, per- it was just serendipity that you're literally your table gave us a, a terrible name. But it's great. And we'll never forget that pub now. Yeah. And in addition to this, some of the characters that were rolled randomly in that pub have become proper characters. There's Already. There's this guy yeah. that's a grub farmer that, that, that hosts these grub fights. <laughs> and they all, uh, these grubs like fight each other. It's like cock fights, but with poisonous grubs. Yeah. And um, yeah, I rolled randomly for the guy. And it, he was a um, standoffish bloke with uh, diseased skin. And I was like, well, that fits perfectly if he raises poisonous grubs. And at the moment, he's a mainstay. Yep. And, and if the PCs decide to like explore an area of previously unexplored woodlands, populate it on the fly of monsters or ruins or a secluded township that they previously didn't know about, mm-hmm. give something interesting while they explore. Yeah. Um, this may seem difficult, but as the old saying goes, write what you know. Add in a second-hand store from your town if you need to come up with something quickly, mm-hmm. but give it a fantasy name. You know, It's like there's one down the road. So if you guys went to a general store to get some shab- shabby goods, I'd be like... Okay, well, this, the the second hand store down the road is called Second Thoughts. Yeah, there you go. So I might just you know add that into the game and give it a, the guy that runs it is a bloke that you know from work. Got or, an eye patch, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you do that, improv will basically be piss easy. Even if you aren't familiar with any books or movies from the genre you're playing, and are a shut in who watches Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> well, actually, there, there's an, a fantastic essay about that by Michael Curtis of DCC fame. Oh, right. Yeah, and what what he what he says in this article is basically like um, he says that even if you know you don't read fantasy, you 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 don't have any ideas for a fantasy plot. He said, put your antiques roadshow knowledge in the game. There you go. Because what you can do is the PCs um, uh, return back to town after a, um, a night of adventuring, and they come back to see that there's an antiques fair in town, yeah. and the all of these um, people are identifying uh, magical items. Mm. And the PCs go and get their thing identified, and it's uh, a statue. And suddenly you find out this statue is like made by one of the most famous elven worksmen in the world. There you go. And there you go, that's an adventure hook. Yeah. And also you would already know the, the personalities of all the presenters. That's your favourite show. So you those are the people that are identifying the items. You've already got pre-generated characters for Easy. you. Yeah. David Dickinson's there. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're real you deal. Got, you walk up to this man and he's got bright orange skin and <laughs> slick back hair. Yeah. And people will be like, wow, I want to speak to this guy. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was basically what he said in the article about Antiques Roadshow. And it's such a great idea. It can be populated with anything. We even had a, uh, an NPC based on Gordon Ramsay in one of Sean's sandbox yeah, yeah, campaigns, yeah. you know. And it will work because the great thing about human beings is that they do have all these varied personalities and 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 ex- eccentric eccentricities that's the word i'm looking for eccentricities to them so nothing that you can put in there won't be believable because real life was what it what's the old saying 
life imitates art. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it also works the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. So, so never feel like, oh, he's unbelievable. Why not? I'm sure there's someone out there that is crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> and know. even if it's like the most humdrum, boring guy at work, that's enough for it to be a fleshed out character, you know, just... You made right, a whole character off the base of that. Exactly. And, and right, it was great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Man Man. Man The most boring man in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, just write, write what you know. It also applies to GMing what you know. You yeah, know? Yeah, put, yeah. put that shit in your world and, and it will instantly be believable. Yeah. And that makes improv easy. That means anyone can improv and anyone can come up with details on the fly. And it doesn't just go for adventure hooks either. It goes for anything populating the world, from a character to an animal that you see that's based off your mate's cat <laughs> to a monster that's based on a big fat boss you used to have at work. Or your you mother-in-law, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, all of these steps will basically make improvising parts of your setting much less difficult. Yeah. The next thing I wanted to point out was, I don't know how to pronounce this, and this is also kind of uh, based on an article I read in the same book, but raison d'etre. Raison d'etre. Yes, I've heard this word Everything before. in your world must have a purpose for being there, even in Gonzo games. It's raison d'etre, yeah. Yeah. So although random elements are important to a sandbox games, things don't come into existence for no reason. This will help create a believable world and add a great sense of realism to your games did you roll randomly for an event in a fallout game and while roaming the wastes the players come across an abandoned destroyed town well what was the town before the bottoms hit what did it do what are the signs yeah, it wasn't off? always a ruin was it yeah yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. And, and what what sort of shit did they find in the uh, NPCs dead NPCs pockets that they find around there maybe you can have it so that the town has only just been hit and it wasn't actually hit in the, in the yeah, nuke you know totally. so why is it there? You know, have have reasons. Why for is it? Why has he got there. this in his pocket? You know, yeah. And let's say you roll uh, on a on the encounter table in a fantasy game, and you get an encounter with a roving band of orcs. Well, as we said before, make it fit in. Make mm-hmm. them have a reason for being there. They're looking for something, whatever. And that way, it will be a much more easy and believable. They're lost and scared, and not actually a threat. <laughs> yeah, and although this is probably a tip for any game, I think yeah. it's more important in a sandbox. Yeah, totally. The, that will make the world feel alive. So, for example, we going back to the thing of GURPS. You remember Jurassic Duck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> what it was is that, that these uh, people tried to um, clone dinosaurs, made a theme park based around it. But as many people know, dinosaurs weren't scaly. That, that is, you know, information that yeah. was discovered semi recently. Yeah, and they they were feathered, mm-hmm. so this they thought that they were descended from ducks, and they made a theme park based around it. Perfect. And then it obviously went bad, like the Jurassic Park movie, and so it's a ruined planet that was a theme park planet. Although that's completely nuts and stupid, and that was in a Gonzo type game, it still had a reason for being. It's there. bound in realism, so it was something. It got destroyed. It's now a ruin. It's got character. It gives it a, a like. There's still a, there's still a reason behind it. It's not like oh, random. Yeah. Oh, ducks. <laughs> yeah. And and that way, when you're exploring, uh, when people are exploring it, you know, you can go. The details you add in are going to be based on that backstory you had, not yeah. just because you think you put it in there because it's random and funny. <laughs> yeah, because that's shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not funny. What you think's funny, most people won't. Yeah. Newsflash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come in for experience. And um, the thing is, as I um, I also think like a believable ecology is really important, oh, which yeah, is something yeah, yeah. like, you know, uh, there's a reason in D&D that a lot of um, monster descriptions will tell you what type of area that monster comes from. Mm. You know, if you're fighting a, uh, you know, frogman. Yeah. Well, that should be in a swamp. He ain't coming from the desert lands, is he? No, exactly. <laughs> it's one of those desert... I bet, I bet now somebody's going to tell us, you know, desert toads are a thing. Duh. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. but, but still, yeah, you get what I mean. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, so there was this um, uh, from the same book, How to Write Adventure Modules That Don't Suck. Of course, yeah. I thought I recognised um, when you was mentioned the one earlier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's and a great book. Go check it out. There's another essay by a guy called Christopher Clark, and he's an RPG designer, and he says, the, simple, uh, the simplest explanation for a need for rationale behind things is found by illustrating an example that noticeably lacks this kind of relationship. And he goes on to demonstrate an adventure that he made called The Cave of Really Bad Adventure. <laughs> In which traps are in the cave, because they are, and slimes, a giant spider that's too large to even leave the room, inhabits in there as well, and there's slimes, there's goblins. But the spider and the slimes would likely see the goblins as a tasty treat, so why would they all be living in there together? No, they'd eat them, wouldn't they? Yeah, of course they would, yeah. You know, they're in there because dungeon. Because it's a dungeon. That's it. Yeah. So if you have a good reason behind everything being where it is, that's for dungeon design, but also apply that to a sandbox game. Boom. Believability. Yeah, believability. Yeah, so just basically think of these pitfalls whenever the players visit any area of your game because it needs to feel like whatever's there belongs. Even if it's for a silly reason and you're playing a Gonzo game. That well, I was just about to say, yeah, I, even if it's the most stupid reason, it needs reason. Yes. And that's it. And that's all it needs. And it doesn't matter what the reasoning is, just give it reason and then that gives it kind of, um, that makes it physical and makes it feel realistic. And I feel like that's probably one of the most important tips for a zombie or Fallout type game as well. I mean, in, in D&D you're always going into old ruins and shit yeah, too. Yeah, sure. So yeah. all of those things, like, they were once a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, it's, yeah, it's like adventuring by definition you're going to go and look at shit whereas like you know if it's a post-apocalyptic game you're surviving yeah do you want to go into that big ruin that's probably radioactive not really unless i have to <laughs> why would i go in there <laughs> you know? yeah but when you do you might discover interesting shit of course about you would. it'll yeah. make the players you know put two and two together with your world and shit and even mm-hmm. if you just come up with on the fly it'd probably be good yeah definitely one of the biggest things as well is choice and consequence yes well important in a yes. sandbox game oh my god yeah of course so you know like if you're playing a bloody linear game or something like this by all means, you know, the players can do whatever they want, but the likelihood is that you're going to get back onto that plot one way or another, yeah. Yeah, and that's fine for linear games. It really, really doesn't matter. But the thing is about a game where you have choice and consequence, like a sandbox, where you, you're, it's more of a simulation of living in that world. Mm. Choice, choices are so fucking important and the consequences of it. Yeah, mate. If you're going to go bowling around this world making waves, mm-hmm. don't expect there to not be repercussions in some way or another yeah i mean typically in a, in a sandbox event you're not supposed to have um you know a linear plot but you can yeah. you know you really really can or you can have an overarching plot yeah an overarching goal yeah there yeah you go. yeah and the players can set that or or in in reality you can set it and they can go um about it anyway or you want. can show them lots of different ones yeah and then they go totally. oh yeah that's what we want to do and if they've got that as their main mission like us with lamentations let's be honest the other day even though the main, the the main overarching mission for us is to obviously find the kidnapped flame princess. The past two episodes has been about the royal grumble, yeah, <laughs> because that's a personal goal that we all agreed on and all find very. And fun. that was the grub fight. And yeah. the funny thing is about the finding the flame princess was that. Um, that got changed episode one. We'll get you, around to you, that. You, you guys, you guys like went headlong into a dungeon trying to trying to conquer it. She's got to be in there. She's got to be in there. <laughs> and then when you got down there, you all got completely destroyed. Had to spend a faint point to not die. <laughs> yeah. Then were ended up waking up in this in a hospital in the city. Yep. And 
That's gone on the back burner since. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> the, the king immediately looks at you, this guy Lord Alfin, and he comes up to you and he's just like, look, um, you're off the case. Yeah, that's it. You guys <laughs> are shy. Yeah, he's like, you're going to just die. So yeah. forget it. Forget about it. Uh, so that was a very in. small example of a consequence as, um, you know, part of a, uh, a choice that the players made. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they went headlong in thinking they were going to win. <laughs> we're going to save the day. I thought it was going to be session zero, session finished. Like, we get the woman and then I say it's all done. No, not really. But you know what I mean? It was like literally... That was the main thing to start the game off, and it was cool. And it's like, yeah, that's that's definitely what we're gonna. I mean, ultimately, we want to save the flame princess. Of course, we do. But I think we're having so much fun at the moment, just messing about. Doing what you want, you want to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've kind of set your. Well, that was the the grub fight was the way that you set your own goal. And the wine, you know, that was. And we had about three missions. Like at the moment, we've got at any given time, it seems like we've almost got three kind of little missions that we could get stuck into if we wanted to. Yeah, because there's so many different things going on in the world. Yeah. And you're like, do we want to do this? Do we want to do that? Uh-huh. If we do that in three days, um. And we're late back. Would this guy be annoyed with me? Well, it was like it was like the, uh, so. We got an invite to an audience with the uh, with the king, and uh, we got so um, mixed up in what we was doing at the time that we, it gave us no time to actually get washed or anything. Yeah, because you guys were bumbling about in the sewers <laughs> for two hours. Yeah. Then you then after you after you got out of the sewers, you're like shit. We got half an hour till we got to be there. We better go. Start start <laughs> running across town. You you turn up at the fucking um, castle and you're soaked to the waist up in sewage walking it through on the carpet and everything it was brilliant it was so bad and and the the thing is then that changes how PCs react to you but one big event that's just happened as well is they accidentally burnt the frigid cousin pub down oh god because they're players yeah you know and um, the funny thing about that was that now you know some bad shit's gonna go down yes because you were responsible for uh, an arson yeah well you weren't your character wasn't there no (laughs) the rest of them did and we wanted to we wanted to like win over the people and everything bring the wine back have the best fight ever and <laughs> it, went, it went abysmally it went a bit wrong it went so badly and then mm. um, yeah it ended up with Ryan he was like he went for, he basically went for plan Z and he was like <laughs> he's like right this fight ain't going well I pour oil on them in this wooden pub and, and set them alight and it, yep. it just oh, it, went, it, it was crazy but yeah <laughs> stay tuned to the next update you'll find out yeah a sandbox essentially has to have a consequence to every action good or bad yeah. if they do good and they're working for the police perhaps the police start to like them if they if they do something bad and they start stealing, well then maybe they're shunned from the town or they're put in prison or that's a simple Bounty example. Gets put on them, whatever, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's it's that is one of the most important things because you really really have to to make the world feel alive and to make your players feel like they're interacting with it. Choices and consequence have to be uh, the main sort of thing and that also goes for NPCs uh-huh. so NPCs will be living their daily life outside of what the fuck you're doing yeah. and maybe they've done shit in the town that's caused consequence as well <laughs> yeah. and that, that means that yeah uh oh you know, it's yeah. gonna, it's, the shit's gonna go bad. Like the tax that the king put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has to give their half of their income to charity now um, which is just a war effort and a charity. Yeah. basically he's now um there's been rioting in the streets and people civil are civil unrest yeah, yeah of course exactly well, so, so, yeah, like you said it's like you know the, the John from the shop doesn't just sit there waiting for the adventurers to walk in to buy stuff he's got a life of his own maybe he's got himself into debt maybe he's got you know whatever something's happened you know yeah you're absolutely right it's uh, that that if you like things should continue to happen in the world even if the players aren't there that's it exactly that's it so if they've been away for months in, from the city, mm-hmm. what about it has changed? God, it may be everything. You yeah. know, it may be something ever so slight, but there will be change. It's if, always moving. If you use our 78 Hamlet Happenings document, <laughs> yeah. well, one of the things that could happen is maybe the uh, maybe the king's been uh, 
maybe the king's died of some weird plague and now he's been taken over by his son who's a child <laughs> that's one of the ones he yeah, got and yeah. he starts enacting all these weird laws <laughs> so suddenly the, the the players come back to town and they see that vegetables have been banned yeah exactly everyone's really malnourished and they're like what's going on <laughs> it's like the new king he's a bastard he's banned broccoli he's outlawed carrots meat prices go up people are looking all gaunt and fucking <laughs> yeah. like like <laughs> Um, undernourished exactly but you get it so yeah so even though the, like you said even if the players aren't there the, 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 the town is still moving it's still living it's still breathing next tip no hand waving and no I don't mean waving. literally you're welcome to wave your hands around at the table all you want especially yeah. if you're doing spells yeah of course but what I mean is um, with travel overland travel a lot of people don't like it and a lot of people also don't like downtime but these things are important to a sandbox world because you've got to um, you've got to do them to actually have your players interact with the world you the tales from the loop for example it's got a really good um uh, system in it because it's a cinematic type game yeah where if um they're just traveling somewhere and it's an unimportant scene move on to the next important scene yeah that's good for that type of game but for this overland travel and, and getting to places is important because that's how your players interact with the world they'll they'll see shit as we mentioned while they're getting from place to place yeah 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 they'll also um want to do downtime in the city and our story about the grub fight and that that's been going on for two weeks now <laughs> that is a very good example of why i don't hand wave downtime yeah because you you, you literally that that born a born the story yeah you know, it's it, totally it came out of it mm. and it was fucking fantastic you need them well. interactions you can't yeah you can't edit yeah. edit down a sandbox game because that's where you get all your kind of golden content from yeah exactly and I think if you do that you're robbing the players of an essential part of a sandbox they yeah. really they're, 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 they're exploring they're finding things out they want out. to go out and interact don't fast forward them because it's not fair they're not interacting with anything they're just jumping from area to area that the, that the GM thinks is cool and it's not it's like, the thing is know. no amount of flowery language, language can really um, equate for actually travelling somewhere nah, you know if you say right. oh it's been a gruelling journey you're like yeah but it was only 30 seconds of explanation yeah exactly if you make it actually gruelling yeah, 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 you yeah, know proper yeah yeah you know it's pouring down with rain use weather use terrain use use anything just random make encounters it, random encounters make it feel like they're actually fighting to get there like the the adventurers that are they're actually playing oh you know they don't jump in a nice car with air conditioning and just drive they have to go on horseback for, for weeks and, and you know yeah, and, deal and with all this horrible stuff that's just it you know because that, that is that is what's important about about the travel is it's yep. going to be it's probably going to be grueling a long distance yeah, there's going to totally. be more random yeah. encounters and they should be prepping for it before they leave they shouldn't just be like oh well, it doesn't matter so we fast forward what you didn't buy any food it's like the travel's yeah, exactly. four weeks it's like oh well we'll be alright we're fast forwarding it no totally. mate yeah. I mean the same doesn't really apply for a game like maybe it does for wise guys as well because you're going to see shit as you're driving through Vegas you know what I mean what if you ain't got enough petrol and you get stuck in the desert <laughs> yeah that'd be funny you know? like, <laughs> yeah like, did somebody forget to fill up the car? And you're like, oh, well, God. <laughs> about two weeks before we get back to Vegas. We're going to have to eat poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it is important because a lot of situations are going to arise from that. And I yeah. think, yeah, as I say, you're robbing the players of a, a part of a game if you take that out. And on the other side as well, you know, it doesn't have to be like, obviously, travel can be grueling or it could be like there's a there's an encounter or stuff. But it doesn't have to be a negative experience. They might bump into something cool. They might discover a cool ruin. They might find a society that's been hidden away that can help them, you know, all this kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. But that, that actually, uh, you know, reminds me of our Fallout game that Sean run because in that, you know, 
the random encounters were fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah like, they were. Yeah. Like they were deadly as shit. Yeah. But it yeah. made the journey like so much better. Cause, yeah. Like, remember that time where Sean rolled on uh, two random encounters when we were traveling? First of all, acid rain oh. starts dropping on us. Yeah. We're fucking legging it. Yeah. Oh and then God, we're, yeah. Like, we're like, do we see any places? He rolls randomly for the next place we get to, and it's just, it's like abandoned house that's basically all the walls have been blown off, and there's oh, one shit. the middle floor is like still just about intact so we stay under that for literally 10 hours yeah yeah right? yeah and then we were like look we are gonna die out here if yeah. we don't fucking get out of this rain so nick's character a giant robot <laughs> oh, like yeah. held a bit of sheet metal above us while we while we Canopy. like an yeah. umbrella, umbrella yeah. and we, we walked under it to get to the next town so sick but that was yeah that made uh, made traveling through the world difficult and and what a cool <laughs> moment when we was all like getting through the rain and stuff it yeah. felt really that was hilarious fun. Yeah. yeah and the thing is is that yeah it just it made the world like the travel it was just like yeah now now it's actually grueling and it should be yeah. a fallout game especially it in shouldn't a be in every game. setting but in most it should i mean in GURPS as well we had you traveling across the galaxy and we had random space encounters they were rare but they did happen they did happen and one of them led to the worst moment in the game. Ah, the destruction of our beautiful ship. Yeah, so there you go. It's it's worthwhile. Do do that. Do, do that. It. Do not fast forward. No, do not fast forward a sandbox. And let the Come people on. go around the town and and buy their shit. I know people hate doing interactions uh, with NPCs in shops and yeah. micromanaging. Yeah. But, but even the players are going to bargain. They're going to yeah. do shit. They're going to piss people off. Yeah. You know, whatever. and let them get distracted as well. You know, let them get distracted. If they're traveling somewhere and they find something that you've narrated and they want to go check it out, don't try and be like, oh, there's nothing really interesting. So let them go and look at yeah, it. Yeah, because that's what the game's about. Yeah. You know, the sandbox game's about exploration. So Absolutely. if they find something more interesting than your adventure hook, that's a good thing. It means, yeah. that, it means they're it up, finding Mr. something GM. interesting. Be versatile. You know, yeah, we're not all there to just enjoy your story. We're here to help you make a wicked story too. Yeah, and so the thing is, is that when you come, when it comes down to it, you know, they've found something interesting yeah and yeah. that's what you want and that's what and that's the, and exactly and me even when i've been jamming and you guys have come out with something that i would never have thought of and i'm like oh my god thank you so much because you have just made my next session's going to be so more interesting because of what you guys have given me yeah it was like in um gen lab when we did a whole side story was i was trying to find the guy that killed my family yeah totally and we and just started asking so around cool you know? yeah yeah that was a really fun and that was what you guys gave to me which gave which then in turn was regurgitated back out into the story which was fun but the thing about all of this, right, is that obviously these are tips for how to run a sandbox. And, and these are really important things to a sandbox, but does it make it fun? And the answer is probably. But the thing about it is is that you do. there are a few steps that you can do to make it specifically fun. Yeah. Because sometimes people aren't into simulation as shit, and it doesn't have to be that. But exploration, things like this, they can be grueling, they can be hard, and there can be big moments where there's no story and things like this. Yeah. But a couple of tips. Number one, involve your PC's backstories. Um, so uh, if they say uh, I was part of a travelling circus and they tortured me, well, maybe the circus shows up somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, vary the type of adventure they'll play because you've got a big world. It's not just going to be all dungeon delves. No, you could do investigation, you can do horror, you can do all sorts of stuff. You could do social conflict yeah yeah anything totally like that. and that even goes for it goes for any type of game that you can stick any genre in that well 
um, let's say for example you're playing a I'm going to go back to Wise Guys again but if you go if you're playing that which is one of these most stellar modern settings yeah um, you can add horror in there maybe there's a guy that's been knocking off gangsters and he's just, he's a, uh, like some sort of hero that wants to kill people or he's yeah. from the rival gang and they're being mutilated in really horrible ways in a horrendous horrendous yeah exactly and he wears like a, a dog mask and now Ooh. suddenly people, <laughs> people are afraid of the dog man the gimpo yeah the gimpo <laughs> yeah. yeah so um yeah, but something like that, and uh, give them reasons to explore. We've already discussed that, but that's bloody important. Give them interesting reasons to explore, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not just treasure, always. No. Um, Ugh, and no. before the game, discuss the possibility of death, you know, with the characters. Not in real life, but in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try the deep chat before we start, man. This game's going to last a while, all right? So Maybe you must if... not die on the way in real life. <laughs> yeah, just be prepared for that. Okay? Yeah, because in 60 years' time, you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going on, yeah. But no, um, yeah, discuss it because the thing about it is, is the um, encounter levels of things in a sandbox game are going to vary wildly. They're not always going to be to your party's level because you're exploring the wilderness. If you go into the type of terrain where they might see, I don't know, shit example, but a dragon, right? Well, if they're level one, probably shouldn't be taken on. Nah. And no. the thing is, is that that you should means... have took a leaf out of that book, really. Yeah, yeah maybe. But <laughs> the thing is, um, yeah, tell tell your players before the game. Look, this is this is how it's going to be. So bear in mind, you have to interact with it in a realistic way. Don't just think GM's put this here so I can I can kill it. It means it's killable. No sandbox, mate. You might have, you know you you might be well off the tracks in regards to levels because you, you can't like it's not linear so you can't have a progression like always oh, a boss is your next boss is going to be tougher because you're not running that way I mean way. put it this way even in real life in, in your town you're unlikely to be savaged by bears while you're in the city <laughs> I hope not yeah exactly yeah <laughs> well maybe in your area yeah maybe it's certain but, yeah. but the thing is, is that, like, but if you look at I don't know the Canadian wilderness <laughs> yeah, right yeah, yeah. You, in your town there are uh, you know possibilities of bears yeah. but there's a way higher possibility when you're in the woods I'd say so where the yeah. bears live I'd say so I'm, I'm it... almost certain of that I'm no scientist <laughs> I'm no bearologist bears right? <laughs> like the woods <laughs> I mean do bears shit in the woods who knows as the saying we, says we're still, we're still um, working on that in the lab but we'll get there <laughs> we'll give it let you know and make sure that the players know that they can try whatever they want that's the next tip yes Show, don't tell as well, which is important for any game, really. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you want to say, if, if the, the world is at war, um, make sure they know it's at war. Like our world, you know, uh, I, there hasn't been any battles, but that's one of the um, key things about the world at the moment is that uh, there hasn't been a full-scale attack from the enemy army in seven months. And there's this all this tension because exactly. we don't know when they're going to attack again, yeah. And then the tax comes in, you know, uh, the, the wine Wine's uh, run out. And that's really important because during times of war, people are trying to drink to forget you know what i mean yeah and uh, exactly. things like this so yeah um show don't tell and mm-hmm. always keep new discoveries coming that goes pretty much into every single point we've made so <laughs> yeah, far yeah yeah totally but yeah that's basically it but yeah. lastly so i want to talk about equipment for running a sandbox game what do you need well uh, i usually just when i'm running a linear campaign like for example solomon kane where there was always two missions on the go or something like yeah this, yeah i would just bring the minis i needed yeah. Um, so either you can bring generic minis to represent any monster, but for a linear, uh, but for a sandbox game, uh, bring a fuck ton of minis if you're using minis. Why don't you tell the listeners about your little tip of accumulating lots of minis on the cheap? Yeah, just buy the fucking D and D board games. Yeah, <laughs> they're well good. Uh, it was it cost me forty pounds to get that one up there, and it came with forty five minis. Forty five minis. You're never going to need more. 
Yeah, so well good. And, uh, and what about them other cheap ones as well you picked up that were like from a game that don't exist anymore? So you got them dirt cheap. Also a good tip. Yeah, so uh, that's, I mean, this goes for any game really, yeah. but it was for a fucking, it was called Mistfall. Yeah. And it was some weird fucking war game that well, nobody played. What we're saying so. is minis don't have to be expensive, and especially if you want to buy them in, in mass, you know. Yeah, and uh, it, because they're going to be fighting a, a big wealth of stuff, Bring all of them. Yeah, bring them all. Bring them all with <laughs> you. You don't know where they're going to go. Well, I've been. I, I bought a bag of zomboids years ago. Bag bag of zombies. Do you remember for yeah, that yeah, game? Yeah. And they're just like a staple for bad guys now. And like, yeah, they, so, anything, so many. It's great. Anything that we have that's a generic monster, we don't have a mini for. It's usually a zombie. Yeah. But I've got some from a board game uh, I bought in Japan. But it's basically just a black outline of a monster-like image. That's it, and they're really good as well. So you can use that, or yeah. or bring loads of minis. Yes, yeah. that's, that's my important cheat sheets. Yes, you absolutely. Those. God, yes, cheat sheet, cheat sheets. There, there's. there's there's a wealth of them on the internet. There's you, you know, had make, quite a few in your gen lab game, didn't you? Make your own. Yeah. So I yeah. So I used to make my own. So what I would do with mine was I would get the PDF of the of the book and then you know uh, you know the snipping tool on 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 um, Windows on yeah. Windows. Yeah. Snip the hell out of it. Pull it on pieces of paper. Then print it off. Really easy. Gets you gives you you know quick access to the bits you need. Yeah. Perfect. Because that can act like a sort of um, addition to your GM screen. Of course it can. You're, yeah. gonna have, you're gonna have the rules on there. Mm-hmm. But like you said, for for remembering social structures, yeah. like I've got. A Cheat sheet with um, the laws of the region in it. Exactly, because you've got you, yeah, because it's you've got to remember all these kind of um, fundamental things to keep the world flowing well. Otherwise, it'd be like I don't know, it won't they? Anti that last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, wait. These people they were friendly with goblins one week, and then now we've come back, and you're like, oh shit, should have had a cheat sheet. We so changed their mind. They're yeah, bloody important. And in Absolutely. fact, a lot of um, uh, sandbox adventures, um, you know, they come with. Uh, cheat sheets already baked in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I forget what it's called, the Can- Cannibal Kingdom or something like that. The uh, one with the monkey on it on DCC. Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah. It's a yeah. sandbox adventure, so it's it could be played in like four to five weeks. Uh-huh. Um, but you're exploring a small island, the Ptolemaic Islands. Oh yeah, with the um, with the massive ape in it. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and the thing about that is, is that comes with you know little cheat sheets for what happens at certain times, where people will be, things yep. like that. So it's a really, really good one. Uh, next up, bring a vinyl map or or sh- or some like printed out graph paper. Because they're going to go places you don't expect, and you're going to need to quickly draw. Quickly draw stuff, but honestly, do yourself a favour, get yourself the vinyl maps uh, for twenty five pound. I think it was. You, they are fantastic. We've been using. Well, you've used it for ages, but I got oh, yeah. got myself one, and we've been using them a little bit more recently in our games. And they just really bring a nice element to um, to being able to just quickly knock something up and then, you know, quick spray of water, wipe it all off. It's really, really handy. Definitely, definitely money well spent. I must yeah, because you need uh, the thing is you need a good. Um, if you're playing tactical combat, yeah. you know, obviously most people only draw maps for the important combats. Yeah. But in a sandbox, you don't know which one's going to be the important combat. Until it happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Because sandboxes are more like story after, mm-hmm. not like some games that are like story during. You're yeah, creating yeah. a story altogether. Sandboxes are more like you dick around, do what you want. And then at the end, you're like, oh my God, wasn't that fun? Yeah, As yeah, opposed yeah. to like at the time, you're like, this is a good story we're building. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the thing is, is yeah, you don't know what's going to be the big important encounter. You can have an idea, but yeah, you need to be able to draw maps on the fly if you're doing grid-based combat. Absolutely. And also if you're exploring dungeons, of course. Yeah, sure. Um, a notepad. Yes. Obviously really fucking important. Make sure you note down every single thing that the players are doing. Not every single thing, but like no. every important shit. When something gets verified or when something gets noticed and then becomes canon, write it down so you don't forget it. Yeah, and in addition, anything that might have a consequence in the next session. Exactly. You know, write it down because that's going to be important. Oh, you stole from that old lady? Oh, well done, you got some gold. But write it down, you know, months later, who knows? Months later, Come they might... to haunt them. Yeah, because they might go back to the shop and be like, um, to the old lady's shop that they stole from and be like... 
hi, we want to buy some. She's like, you again? Never. Like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Yeah, I've outlawed you in all the other shops as well, because I, I know them, you know? It, and then it's like, yeah, well, we should have stole that bit of money now, but remember <laughs> it. Otherwise, you'll forget it, and then the players will forget it, or the players will want you to forget it, and uh, they get away with it. Never steal from an old woman. No, no. Rule number one. Um, but yeah, bring spare character sheets, because as we mentioned, they're going to be... Uh, they're, yes. They'll probably come up, to, come up against things that are... are not their level. No. So bring them just in case. Yep. Loads of paper yep. in, in case you need to draw maps as well if you haven't mm-hmm. got a vinyl map. Random dungeon generators can be quite a good thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not entirely like into these that much. No, I like I, I don't know because it, it's you can find some good tools if you need a really quick dirty dungeon. <laughs> then just um, you need a quick dirty dungeon. I'm your man. I'm your man. <laughs> quick dirty dungeon, Dave. <laughs> So if you need one of those, and um, there's, I think it's called Donjon.net, but just type in random dun- dungeon generator and you'll find it. And yeah. and there's some pretty good ones. You can add in uh, different types of dungeon as well. So it's got things like you can have one that's entirely underwater or it's abyssal, whatever that means. Um, I don't know. It's like hellish. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, abyssal. Yeah, yeah, things like that. So yeah. it's a pretty decent tool, and it actually populates it with a little bit of story as well. Perfect, which is pretty cool. Um, there's random hex and world generators as well if you don't want to um, you know, uh, make your world there's pretty good ones random I used tables. the random world generator just for the overall world there you go. but I drew the region map myself yep um, and that's basically it for all the um, advice for hex uh, no hex crawls hex crawls wrong, no, wrong episode yeah for sandbox adventures I would add one actually that um, remember that deck of uh, deck of cards that I've got that is literally 52 locations and it's literally just each card is a small tiny map that's it's the size of a playing card um, and every single card has a small blueprint map on the back and then on the other side it just gives you some random shit that's inside and you've got bundles so if anyone goes to any building they come in fantasy, sci-fi and modern and they're very handy as well because it, it, you've got a constant stream of um, buildings they're that nice as well because they've got like actual really floor plans on each one yes. and, and they tell you what's in there too Yeah, really exactly. great because you can use that for a post-apocalyptic game or a modern one because you've got the modern set oh, I've got and the they're really ones. really nice set they cards I, I like those a lot now I'm going to summarise Ooh, I'm going to do it really fast go on no I'm going to do it slow <laughs> no, no I'm going to do it regular fast. speed right make or pick an interesting game world make a believable world map utilise randomness be prepared to improvise don't over prepare Make sure everything in the world has a purpose or reason for being there. Make sure player choices have consequences and NPC choices. Make your world a living world where things happen even when the PCs aren't there. Don't hand wave travel and equipment. Make it fun and bring the right shit with you. Yes. And those tips should make your sandbox bloody amazing. Hopefully. Hopefully. Of course it will. I would say, yeah, you're right. Don't prepare the actual game. Over-prepare the tools that you might need. Yes, perfect. <laughs> so, and then perfect. you've got more stuff. That's probably you. the best advice and the choices and consequences. Those yeah. are the two things. If you do, if you take anything from this podcast, do those. Yes. But uh, that's it for that bloody segment. We're going to move on and do a bit of what that. Oh! What the hell that, man? I, I, I don't know. What the hell is that? I, I don't like it, man. What that? Uh, what that, man? What that? Run away! <laughs> <laughs> what that? So what that is a segment where you need to identify RPG related sounds and, and usually it'll be like, you know, sound of a goblin stealing bread or something like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this time what we're gonna do, I've got some RPG <laughs> adverts. Oh advertisements, and you're gonna have to guess what game they're advertising. Okay, excellent. Obviously, what I did was I uh, I have censored the names when right. I say it in the advert. So oh, okay. here we go. Here's number one. Go. Challenge your imagination to come alive. 
and to battle with the creatures of tabletop role-playing game. Grapple against the forces of evil as a superhero of some kind. Hunt adventure and glory as famous action hero. The all-new role-playing games of company name and tabletop role-playing game. Unleash the power of your imagination. <laughs> so that sounds so old. Yeah, it was, man. That's got to be like AD&D, man, I reckon. That's one of the first. I think that's one of the first adverts. Well, it was actually the role-playing games of TSR. Oh, really? In yeah. general? Yeah, yeah, so that's why there was. it's a generic action hero and superhero because it's advertising uh, AD&D, uh, Marvel superheroes role-playing, and Indiana Jones, the role-playing game. Oh, no way, all at the same time? Yeah, oh, and then it says God. the role-playing games of D&D and TSR at the end. That's why it says company uh, name. Yeah, Half a point. No. 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 <laughs> a third of a point. No, all right. Right, here's, here's the next one. You are an animal. Your home is a vast valley, surrounded by mountains so high, the peaks are covered with shite all year around. In tabletop role-playing game. <laughs> <laughs> shite! <laughs> Didn't see that That's Gen Lab Alpha. <laughs> yep, you got it right. That was Gen Lab Alpha, 100%. Covered um, in shite. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Right, next one, coming in your ears. Go on. Guard. Damn it, the fixture said there weren't any guards. I'll take them out. No, it's too noisy. Sal, can you drop him? Him? No problem. Oh, who goes there? Just what are you doing? That was that, it? Uh, that was a segment from it. The actual advertisement for this one is more of a promo, and it was five minutes long. Oh so I my picked, I picked God, the only really? part that had dialogue in it, yeah. Sounds like a far-out game. Um, oh, my God, that's a tough one. Right. Like, it didn't sound fantasy, if I'm honest with you. It was like, you reckon you could drop him? It was almost like he was... Um, I pictured in my head someone with, like, a, a sniper rifle. So what game might that be? Ooh, an old one. An old war game. Oh, is it? Um, oh no, because they're all tabletop role-playing games, aren't they? They're not yeah, mostly. Mostly. All right. Is it? Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not Warhammer, is it? Uh, that was Shadowrun. <laughs> oh, I was gonna freaking say Shadowrun, but there weren't <laughs> enough. Um, there wasn't enough technology in it. I thought he was gonna go when he said speak a drop. He's like, let me just jack in or something like that. Well, it, you know what? I I I can't remember if I. Well, I think I removed the part where the, he says, "Shall I shoot him?" No, no, she says it in that. Yeah, she says, she, shall I shoot you, him? No, he says, shall I drop him, not drop shoot him? him. And she him. goes, no, it'd be too loud. Ah, right. Yeah, and then, oh, and then the woman does, shadow, the other woman does a spell on him. That's what that Oh, that's is. what that is. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> it's a really cool um, little promo, actually. It's a little live action promo. It's pretty funny. That sounds good. So here is the next one. RPG style board game. Deep inside another dimension, face battling barbarians and evil magic on a quest for adventure in a maze of monsters. This is Bleep, the fantasy adventure game where winning means mastering the arts of combat. I'll use my broadsword. And magic. <laughs> Once you get into it, you'll never be the same. Fantasy board game. Now with two new adventure packs, the legend grows. Was that you that said, I am with my broadsword? No, that was in the actual original. I thought you actual. added that. No. <laughs> That was a little, it's a little kid going, I'll use my broadsword. I'll use my broadsword. <laughs> it's like, and then the other kid goes something, something like, Fire of Wrath. Oh, <laughs> They're no. such lame fucking kids. Oh, no. Oh, man. I think I've heard that advert. Is that Hero Quest? 
Yes. Yes. Well from, done, from the eighties or nineties. Yep, I yep, saw yep. that on TV. Broadsold. I used my broadsold. <laughs> what a fucking loser. Um, okay, so the last one, man, yeah. and I have to warn you, oh. I cringed so fucking hard when I found this. I, I cringe so hard I wanted to die and fall into a hole at the oh, same time. No, it's gonna hurt. I suffer from cringe a lot. Well, get ready, oh, man. Oh Here we go. Here we go. You got the perfect warlock, weapons and supplies. But you need a place to track your stuff, because you're so disorganized. You click open the web page. You heard about a critical role. And now you're ready to kick some butt in that mind shot. So I that, hate that it's so, so much. It's so bad, isn't it? Oh. It's like quite obviously an attempt to appear did, hip. Did it say in the shadow of the? Uh, in the I think it's at the end. I can't remember what it says, but at the end it goes. Are you ready to go off to a cave and fight a war band of gnolls or something you like this? Want to be a better wizard? So uh, Europe, who sung the final countdown, have obviously been a bit, <laughs> bit quiet recently. Oh, I hate that so much. I couldn't even hear. I don't know. It's I, so bad. You should see the fucking. Animation. Is it something about a website? It did. Oh, okay. All right. Could it be? Is it wrong twenty? Tell me it's not wrong twenty. No, uh, you, you're wrong. Unfortunately, tell me. put me out of my misery. That's horrible. It, it was for the site D and D Beyond. What's that? It's it's a website where you can sort of add your character and track it and shit. And then you go beyond the adventure. Yeah, so the chorus oh. is like, it's D&D. Oh, D&D. I hate so oh, much. it's so bad. I hope that website no longer exists. Oh, me too. But it's, I think it does, sadly. <laughs> oh, but um, so yeah, it was so fucking that's bad. That's horrible. Yeah, so sort it out. That's what Wizard of the Coast has become. Yeah. From what they were making the coolest, well, not the coolest, but <laughs> the best games back in the day. And now yeah. look at this look shit. At the, the, is that recent? Tell me that's not recent. It's recent, <gasps> man. It's like a couple of years ago or oh, some I shit. I thought you, that was like late 90s or something. No, oh, that's even worse. I know. That is a sh- that is shameful. Shame on you. Whoever sung that song. And even the bit where they go, um, you know, something. I'm going to be a wizard. Oh, play <laughs> it again. It's, You've it's, got to play it again. Play it I'm again. not playing it again. Right. No way. But they said this bit where they talk about. A critical role in there as yeah, well. Yeah, I thought that. I thought, is that a shameless plug for that? Yeah, they oh, say, you heard about the critical role. <laughs> now you've got to do it yourself. Fuck off. I hate it. That's horrible. Oh, dear. Oh, terrible. All right, let's move on. Let's move I want to get out of this. <laughs> yeah, please. Roll up, roll up. Come and play Dragon or Blaggin, a game where you could win big. Under this box, do I have a dragon, a mysterious creature of mythical origin, or... Is there in fact nothing? Am I blagging? Well, find out now, only £10 ago. You, sir, come and play the game. Who? Me? Yes, you. Come on, come and play. Dragon or blagging? <laughs> Next up, we have the famous, the fantastic, the time-defining, it's the longest-living segment ever, it's Dragon or Blagging. Which I don't know if people like or not, but no, we continue knows, to do but it. But we carry on doing it. Uh, And this time, we are doing Judge Dredd RPG. So the uh, premise of this segment is that, uh, essentially, it's usually um, Nick will ask a question, and then some of the answers will be correct, and one of them will be blagging. Bullshittery. Exactly. It's a little bit different this time, actually. So we're going for some nots rather than some haves. So, okay. uh, So which of the following is not a Judge Dredd RPG mutation? Is it Odd Body? Is it extra appendage? Is it reinforced brow? 
or is it living weapon? You know, I was going to say odd body because I felt like that that sounds made up, but considering it's written by English designers, I think that's real. So I'm going to go with um, reinforced brow. Well done. (laughs) You're absolutely right. It's like like bullets can't hit you. Only if they hit you in the eyebrow, they ping off. Anywhere else in the face, you're doomed. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So yeah, odd body, extra appendage, and living weapon. I thought you'd be like, oh, because Nick calls himself a, 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 a trained weapon. A trained weapon. <laughs> yeah, you'd, go, you'd go for that. But um, yeah, well done. Uh, okay, so next one. Which of the following is not a Judge Dredd career? Is it Boinga? Is it Metalhead? Is it King of the Road? Or is it Peeper? Was the first one Boinga? Boinga. As in boing, like the noise. So it's a bouncy guy. I think it's either that or Peeper. I'm going to go Peeper. You think Peeper's the phony one, yeah? Yes. You're wrong. Ah. No, it's Metalhead. Really? Metalhead is the made up one, yeah? Boinga is a real uh, career. What the hell does a Boinga do? They're like they're like mad sports fans. And, oh. um, and they um, and they, there's this kind of mad futuristic sport and they take uh, they, they take an injection or they eat something. I need, I need to skimmed over it last night, but it basically encases their whole body in like a rubber kind of skin that lets them oh bounce around and it's like this mad kind of sport and that. So Judge Dredd has flubber in it. Basically, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, King of the Road um, is like a gambler and that's people that don't hang around. Peeper's cool. Peeper is exactly that someone who sits in their windows with big binoculars and finds out what everyone's up to that's cracking uh, so it's kind of cool right next up which of the following is not a real 2000 AD comics world is it Sinister Dexter Robo Hunter uh, Strontium Dog or Death Drive 3000 well I know that Strontium Dog is one because okay. I've watched the fan film so I know it's not that mm-hmm. um, what was the first one again uh, Sinister Dexter See, I think it's that with Death Drive 3000, but Death Drive 3000 sounds like it would exist in a 2000 AD universe. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go for Sinister Dexter. <laughs> no, you, you you fell into my trap. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, Death Drive 3000 is the made up one. The other three that's, are real. That's good, though. That sounds legit. You've, yeah, you've, um, you've blagged me. Hey, next up. Uh, which of the following is not a robot's robotic fault from Judge Dredd's RPG? A robotic thought? Fault. Oh, thought. As in F-A-U-L-T is my accent, sorry. So, yeah, so uh, like a, a problem with it. A oh, problem, a fault. Like, an issue yeah. you can have, yeah? Got you. So, is, is it lewd, overprogrammed, pleasure circuits, or oil sweats? Oh, no, there's sex robots. Do you remember in Bubblegum Crisis they were called sexeroids? <laughs> sexeroid. Okay, so I'm going to go... With lewd. Well done. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, because I, I thought Pleasure Circuits is probably the real one, and you've made one based on that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Pleasure Circuits is really good because it's like, uh, although not a uh, fault, um, ro- the robots can easily be distracted and stuff like that. <laughs> That's Because awesome. they feel pleasure based. So it's not just sexual, it's any type of pleasure. So, oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could, like, your robot be like, come on, man. And it's like, oh, man, look at this. Or whatever. You know, they <laughs> yeah, get, he's like, oh, I'm going to go. Overprogram's good. It means that they've been reprogrammed so many times that they can fall into their old uh, modules and stuff and start acting out old roles they used to have and stuff. So it'd be like they, they, they're running on, um, you know, Windows Vista. Yeah. Exactly. But suddenly they go back to Windows 93. <laughs> yeah, and that's when they like, were, like, I only have the bot. calculator function. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and all that kind of problem. And um, oil sweats is good as well. When they're under pressure, they sweat oil profusely. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes, I thought that was good. Uh, right, so next up, which of the following are, are generations of robots from the Judge Dredd RPG? Right. Uh, is it the Heavy Metal Kids, Call Me Kenneth, Arthurtron 99, and Mechanica Man? Uh, Mechanica Men, sorry. I'm going for Mechanica Men and the Heavy Metal Kids. You got one right. 
Shit. Shit. Uh, yeah, so the Heavy Metal Kids are a generation of robots from uh, um, from uh, Judge Dredd and also a, a huge generation, I think, because there's a whole war set on it, is the, uh, the Call Me Kenneths. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool, man. Yeah, call me Kenneth. Uh, that's a robot. And lastly, uh, the last one is, which of the following is not a Judge Dredd RPG weapon? Is it Disintegrator, Spit Gun, Cyclops Laser, or Boominator? Boominator. Yeah, well done, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something you would say. Because yeah. we always come up at our table when we're gaming. Um, we always come up with these weird things. Like I can't remember how it originated, but whenever somebody rolls well, that's a boogle. That's a boogle, when yeah. When somebody rolls badly, that's a bongle. Bongle, yeah. yeah. So we always, have, we always have these like bloody weird things. We so could write Boominator. a book on the language. Boominator, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So Cyclops, uh, Spit Gun. I want to read about Spit Gun. Uh, Cyclops laser, I thought was quite cool. Sounds quite. I wonder cool. what a sp- spit gun probably spits whatever liquid you put into it. Could it. be, yeah, and it's quite a, a lowly weapon, so um, yeah, I'll check into that. But I must say, first impressions of we're doing an episode on it, but first impressions of the Judge Dread RPG, very good. Yeah, it and looks it, very it's one good. of the nicest looking books oh, I've ever seen mate. as well. Looks very, very. Good. I can't wait to to actually get stuck into that yeah, at some point. Definitely. Right, so that's it for Dragon or Blagging. We're going to go and read some electro letters. Oh boy! In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. Right, we're back. Samurai. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this is Electro Letters where we read your mail from around the universe. So if you're an alien... Get in, Send, touch. get in touch. Yeah, we've expanded. It'd be good to have one on the show, wouldn't That'd it? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? As long as he ain't turned up with his uh, anal probe. probe. <laughs> That's a bonus, if you're into that. <laughs> so, um, what we with four Electro Letters this week, we asked you guys, what is the most important RPG etiquette one should observe, either as a player or GM? Mm. First one's kind of funny, because Owen Lean comes in. He says, as a GM, the player characters are the protagonists of your world. Never deny their agency. Spot on. Mm-hmm. As a player... This is an ensemble production. No player character is more important to the story than than another. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. He says, don't try to steal the scene. Mm. And then he also says, don't get drunk, don't get high, turn your phone off, never masturbate with a cheese grater. I mean, all good advice, um, but getting drunk and getting high can be fun in the right context if everyone at the table Moder- is doing it. It's all about moderation as well. <laughs> and we've said this on the show before. Yeah. Just go, don't get too drunk or too high. Yeah, that's exactly. Thing. And then you're ruining your game. Turn your phone off, though. Yeah, phones can go away. Um, but, uh, I mean, jury's out about the masturbation with a cheese grater. I think the jury's in. No, oh, Guilty. I've never had any problems. No, um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we went saw Owen using his phone at a game, so... We have photographic image, Im- uh, evidence of that. Well, that thing. was a photoshopped one that I made. But, I was... <laughs> but the thing is, there, there was um, there was a photo of him u- literally using his, ga- his phone at my Flash Gordon game, so... <laughs> I mean, I'm calling you out, man. But um, uh, we, we couldn't find a photo. Bollocks. So, yeah. Uh, we'll get back to you on that one. Dan Cook, he comes in and he says, use your mic mute when playing online. <laughs> People can be so mindless about this. I had a guy eating something and all we could hear was a fork and a knife scraping a plate. I would have said something. I'm yeah. like, what is that noise? Can you stop fucking eating? Like, I'm eating my dinner. I'd be like, right, well, can you not? But the mute thing, it's so funny because we were playing an online game recently. Daryl um, was breathing through his nose and for some reason it kept whistling. So it was like... <laughs> over and over again. And, um, it became a meme in the group for a little while where we kept on finding really bad um, flute sounds on YouTube. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then playing them and we're like Daryl can you shut your nose up oh bless him that's brilliant uh, oh, Brent Alt the famous Brent Alt the writer of Cyber Sprawl Classics yes he comes in and he says don't cut off or talk over other players slash GM good advice Good advice. Unless you're you're doing a social scene and you are actually cutting each other. Well, that's all part of it. But if yeah, you're just yeah. talking about what you're doing, yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, next up, we have Timothy E. Pier, and he says, "Always wait your turn before talking. This should be obvious, but running games at AFLGS for randoms, I learned that this was apparently not common sense." Also, don't use your phone unless it's for in-game materials or reasons. I threw a, per- a person out of a game for this reason. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And you know what? Um, uh, because I'm a carer, I do have to have my phone on the table, and I will occasionally use it just in case you know my wife needs something when I'm going home. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Thing is, if if you've got if you've got no good reason to have your phone out, don't have your fucking no, phone out. No, that's right. Yeah. If, and, if you're texting people back, I mean, and shit like this, leave it, mate. Yeah. It's not that important. Yeah, yeah, it's not that kind of hours. Exactly. And also the one for waiting your turn. To for playing uh, for doing stuff like for saying stuff right it's funny because um our group's pretty good at that yeah. we don't nobody takes the spotlight to or hogs it too much but um I, i'm also good at as a gm for pointing people out but talking over people and when i played at fucking dnd 5e at a local game store yeah. i had the exact same experience yeah it, we had fucking three kids in there and they did nothing but talk over people Ugh. and you know you had um uh two of the players from there and you're whacked in the wicket game in savage Combat. oh right and they're great players yeah they are but the thing yeah. is they got overshadowed when i was playing with them by people constantly fucking nattering over so them. they didn't just get a chance to get involved like, bless kid, him this kid called oscar i'm calling you out oh, he, i know he doesn't listen to this but he was such you. a tosser he kept on it just talking about our video games he's played and shit well, like this. play one then. You're an RPG, mate. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dear. Matt Stark also says, I think the most important thing is allowing someone to finish their thoughts slash questions slash narration without being interrupted by someone else. And yeah, this seems yep. to be like the thing, you know? A bit of a theme here, isn't there? Manuel Sams, he says, don't be a dick. Unless you're a giant walking penis, then by all means be a dick, but be a polite dick. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, Lewis Panetta says, don't be a dick also, just because it's only a game. Good point. Yeah, that's a really good one, because a lot of people at the table might do stuff, try and ruin people's fun, like, you know, uh, acting wildly out of character. And that's not an excuse. Getting the other characters in trouble yeah. and just starting bar Being fights because they want to fight. Yeah, exactly. Things like this. And that, that is just being a dick. And then a lot of people's excuse for that will be, oh, it's just a game. Yeah, no, no, no. Not, if you want to do shit like that, do that on a computer game by yourself and go cause havoc. If you're yeah. playing a communal game where you're all of an equal part, don't be a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and the thing about that is, is that this, these games are important to people, and what their <laughs> yeah. characters do oh are goodness. important. They yeah. want to get into the world, they want to immerse themselves, and yeah. people that do that kind of shit does annoy me. Yeah. This next one is my favourite though. Scott W comes in, he says, "Pay the fuck attention." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the, a good one. I don't know who the fuck is or why you should be. <laughs> pay the fuck. At- oh yeah, you just pay attention. <laughs> pay the fuck attention. That's please. what he calls himself as a GM. I'm the fuck. <laughs> I'm the fuck. <laughs> you pay attention to me. <laughs> But no, yeah, have to agree. No, totally, Scott. You're right. Yes, but it does go into what Owen was saying before. You know, if you're too high, you're not going to be able to pay attention. I've seen players I've seen like it happen. This. Yeah, yeah. And you know, right. we we had a player. I'm not going to name his name, but he was he was really high. And higher than an elephant's eye and you were talking to him and saying uh, saying something about the world and then he was so high that he accidentally answered in his character voice asking Nick what he wanted and he went <laughs> what do you want <laughs> so pay the fuck attention what do you want? <laughs> yes yes pay attention because I know like you're, especially if you've done this big description stuff and then you literally go right guys what do you want to do and they go what 
What do you want? <laughs> yeah, then you're just like, mate, <laughs> what? Like, it, it does annoy me. And it's yeah. uh, it, like, really pay attention. Mm -hmm. uh, it, otherwise, you're just going to lose out on important shit. Well, especially because, like, a lot of the time a GM will think to themselves, right, I'm only going to mention this the once. If they pick up on it, then good for them because they're going to get a wicked item and then nobody picks up on it. That's true. Like, okay. Especially secret doors in a dungeon. You might go into a dungeon and then be like, so yeah, the walls are um, are mostly cold except for on the west wall. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. You, and then suddenly they see a guy sitting by a fire and behind a secret wall. <laughs> but the thing is, is that like, yeah, if you don't pay attention, you're gonna miss stuff. You're so gonna do miss it. shit. Yeah. John Steve, he says, understanding is not about you. You're part of a group effort to have fun and create an in interesting narrative. I'm all for role playing, but if your RP decisions force everyone down a destructive or pointless path, then you're only thinking about yourself. And that's pretty much similar to what yeah. um, you know, Lewis Panetta says. Yeah, well you done, know. John. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Don't be, don't be, don't be like obstructive or annoying for the sake of being annoying. It's not fun. Trouble is, GMs get into that habit though, and yeah. I know that I've uh, not getting distractive or annoying, but sort of um, taking the spotlight uh, often because I'm used to being the one at the game that people need to pay attention to. Yeah, and yeah. suddenly, when you're a player, if you're mostly a GM, you lose a lot of that power mm -hmm. and you lose a lot of knowing what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's And you're true. eager to investigate every little thing and mm -hmm. talk over people. And I, I, I've really tried to get better at it, yeah. but I, at least I understand that it is a fault I have because nah. I GM so often. Of course, but that's, it's just part, it's part of the course of it. If you GM all the time, it's going to happen. <laughs> Go on, Matt. So Matt Jones comes in with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a basic one, but I'd say a very important one. Uh, shower and wear deodorant. I mean, I, why, I don't understand why anyone would not wear deodorant. You hear about the Magic Gathering <clears throat> tournament. Uh, no, I think it was either Yu-Gi-Oh! or, or Ma Magic the Gathering tournaments. They've made it a rule now that you... you can't come if you don't wear deodorant. Yeah, you can't yeah, come right. if you haven't washed and wear deodorant. It should be such a basic skill that people have. <laughs> I've never understood the people that don't. Like, I've been to cons where the people smell like a fucking garbage dump. And they it's like you got you know you, I know you can smell that because you know when you've got say you've been yeah, working hard and you oh, whatever you know been out been all day out. you can smell it on yourself straight away and you go oh that's a bit nasty How yeah then you go home have a wash change your top thank god for that yeah what well, these people must wake up and go ah yes smelled ripe let's go and yeah, push this on is, other people you're right because the thing is it's like even a um, uh, fucking dragon meat right when I was walking down the line, I smelled B.O. And I'm like, it's nine in the morning. It's nine in the fucking morning. You, it's not as if you've been working hard all day. You've been sweating it out and now you stink of B.O. The thing is, it's, it's, you've just got up and you've decided not to wash. What the fuck is wrong with these goblins? Uh, well, at Savage Cut, if it, gets, if it gets really big, maybe we should give out them free little deodorants <laughs> oh maybe that, that would have been handy for the farts we should hand we for should the hand. farts well savage because it got more of a fart issue than a deodorant it's a fart a issue <laughs> we should we should hang we're doing a bad job of advertising this we should hang car air fresheners on the ceiling magic trees time. everywhere yep <laughs> perfect so Peter Adams comes with, in with one that's uh, very close to your heart Nick <laughs> <laughs> be on time and be present yeah true True, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll put my hands up for that one. Next up, Maite Parton. She says, pay attention to other players' turns. That way, when your turn comes up, you don't waste time deciding what you're going to do. If you're paying attention, you know what you're going to do when your turn is up. Mm. Yes, this is something that really fucking winds me up. There are certain players that I've played with over the years that have done this so many times, right? You're, you're, part, you're part of the battle. You know when your initiative turn is coming up. Yes, something may happen that will change what you want to do in your turn. Mm -hmm. But have a fucking idea, you know? Because yeah. you always get to that player and they just look at their sheet and just go, um, 
uh, I don't really know what to do. Yeah. It's like maybe because you were texting or maybe because you weren't paying a fuck attention yeah. to all of the other players' um, actions. Cool moves, yeah. Because if you knew what they were doing, you'd know what to do on your turn. And you could help. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. You've got plenty of time between the person saying, I want to set this on fire and you thinking of your turn, even oh. if you're next turn, because they still got a roll. Totally. And don't fall down that trap of always um, uh, assuming that you have to fight in a fight. You know, oh, you God don't dear. have to. You don't have to attack. Do something different. Do something that helps somebody else. But if you want a good uh, guide of how to do that, listen to our DCC actual plays. Yes, they they ran away from ninety. Everything just fight. run away, mate. Just run away. <laughs> it was funny how many combats in that game you would hit something once and then go, nah, too tough. Right, we're out of it. <laughs> the bit where you nicked that jailer's keys and then just ran past them. <laughs> Oh my god. That was fucking funny. That was so good. And we got one last one. Conrad Erasmus Neubert. He says, always RSVP and be honest if you can't make it and don't want to join. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. If you've got a legit reason for not being there, as soon as you know, let people know. Totally. You, you're going to be letting people down no matter what. But... And, we, and we have a nice easy system where we always post a event every week for the game and then you can put you going know, or your no, going not interested. Exactly. Yeah, not that hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but yeah. Do, well, you know, that's the sign. When when you're game, when you're running an absolute shiter, if, the start, if people start putting maybe on the event. <laughs> Constantly. <Yeah. laughs> right, guys, thinking of a new idea. Nothing, nothing concrete yet. Maybe. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. I want to run some uh, a um, full length two year made RPG. Campaign. It's sandbox and it's all my own content. A lot of ma- a lot of maybes on that one. <laughs> so, beep, beep. what's your like number one etiquette? What's the thing? What's the thing at the table? Be considerate. I think I think be considerate to all that's there because I would say for me it's like you know a lot of people have busy lives these days it's hard to get together it's nice when you get together everyone including the players the GM the per- person that's hosting person that got the snacks in you know whatever all everyone plays a nice part and everyone's there because they want to be there so just be considerate to other people as well you know it's not just your game or it's not just you going to play a game it's it's about everybody and just keep that in mind I think I me. think mine is probably um, to give respect to the game I know that sounds really pretentious but no, no, that's the right. only that's thing good. is I've I, I've played with with the group that we normally play with yeah. right because everyone's given a decent amount it's just kind of blanket thing decent amount of respect to the game and trying to get into it yeah even if you're not straight away the thing is you will you will have a much better time than thinking oh this is a bit boring and just sit right back doing off before you've even started yeah. yeah and I think that if you respect the person's game then you you tend to have a lot more fun respect it get into it try your best to immerse yourself and you'll have a much better yeah. time than being that player that sits back does nothing until the combat you know totally what I mean? yeah get in the GM's head try and try and enjoy what they're trying to give to you as like and show you this world and stuff and prime example that is made like from the from the blurb it was a turn off for me I'm not going to lie and hands down after playing it one of the best games I've ever played so. <laughs> yeah, <'cause that> is, <laughs> you know what I was just, I literally got it for a laugh yeah. you know because I thought this is going to be bad but we're doing this try. yeah but when everyone played it they got into it, it as much fantastic. as they could and, and the was... archetypes of the different maids were spot oh, on it as well it was so good it so honestly good. was so yeah perfect example don't write a book off before you've tried it yeah exactly and don't yeah give respect to players mm-hmm. uh, and the, the GM everybody yeah, yeah that's sort of my thing but yeah, yeah. the practice is done we finally found him the dark one the one we've been practicing for all these years He's arrived. He thinks he can scare us with some recording device. We're not afraid of you! Still ah! Ah! That lowers your attack points because you're scared. But well, that's it for another episode, ladies and gentlemen. That was fun. I hope our little tidbits and our tips help. Yeah, I hope that if you run a sandbox, let me know how it goes. Please let me, do. Let us yeah. know if any of the tips that we said actually helped. If it didn't, also let us know and tell us we're fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, we, um, we don't mind. 
if you want to contact the show, yes, you actually can. You certainly, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, Nick. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah. I was thinking. You certainly can. Yep, you can. Uh, so why don't you drop us an email? That's uh, free teas RPG. No, free tea RPG pod. At gmail.com. Jamal.com. Jamal.com. And, uh, we've, yeah, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, not Google Plus anymore. Oh, and, oh, oh, oh. of course, we've got a Patreon. If you like Yay. this junk, then please go over there and donate, because we do work hard on it, And this whole thing is um, Patreon-powered. So, it is, yeah. the whole thing. Everything mm-hmm. that we buy, everything that we run on this show is all because of you guys. Yep. So, um, yeah, you keep the show going. Mm-hmm. Um so that's it for another show I've been Harrison Hunt I've been Nick Lambslice and always remember that D20s are cool but 20Ds well that's a good time oh yeah